0: Hello everyone, welcome to episode 3 of Gossip, a podcast series where we discuss and try to better understand alternative perspectives on issues. The podcast series is part of Chris Network's ongoing efforts to create a safer space for discourse on gender inequality issues and human rights. My name is Angela Kogadas and I will be your host for today. Our topic today is on the issue of online gender-based violence. This episode is done in conjunction with our upcoming research entitled Power, Expression and Violence, where we examine the inherent inequalities in women's access to freedom of expression and the ways in which their exercise of freedom of expression invites online gender-based violence. So we're really happy to have with us today Jamalia Jamaluddin, State Assembly person for Banda Utama. She's also the Slanger Vice Chief for DAP Youth Socialist, and Alia Afendi, who is an activist, a feminist, and an in-house legal practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having us.
2: Thank you.
0: So both of you have experienced online gender-based violence, and some people, including state actors, are sort of generalizing this phenomenon to cyberbullying. But what makes your experience of such violence gender-based? How is this harm different, and what's the perception of the public and the authorities of the harm done against you. Uh, maybe we can start with you, Jamalia.
1: Um, thanks, Angela. So um, I, I'm sure a lot of us, especially um, public figures or politicians, we will be experiencing some sort of um, gender violence, especially online gender violence at certain period of time in our journey. So even for me, myself, my personal experience, it was especially during last year, I remember, because it went viral for a while. So um, basically, I've received a lot of sexist and violent threats of rape and murder through Facebook. So um, actually, I, I still remember during that time, um, the one who notified me uh, was one of my team members. So she was like, asking me to go and launch a police report, but I was like so busy at that time. So I did, decided to delay it. And then she looked at me in disbelief this, this and then she asked like, why you haven't lodged the police report? Because it have been several days. And I told her that, you know, I was, I was quite busy and um, I don't think that, you know, whoever commented, they will really act on it. Then I realized that how much I've changed because I, I started to feel immune or I don't really feel emotional because I've been threatened online. I sort of like get used to it. And then I realized that by me lodging the police report is not only about me, but it's also about how we're supposed to act on it. So by me lodging the police report is actually to tell people that it is not okay for them to do so. And actually, we need to stand up for ourselves. So then after that, I decided to go and lodge the police report. And a lot of people actually, even some of my colleagues, they told me that, um, sometimes they feel it's kind of a waste of time because then you need to engage with the inspector and you need to you know, go through all this process. But at the end of the day, it actually means a lot. Um, not only because that you know you are lodging the report, but you also recorded down the statistic as well as um, it's also spreading awareness to other women that it's very important for us to take it seriously. If we are not taking it seriously, other will not be taking it seriously as well. So it sort of hit me back as well that how our society um, act or react and our attitude when we are facing issues like this.
0: Because you mentioned about attitude and uh, behaviours, right? Behaviours towards uh, this kind of violence. Because mm. I just wanted to bring in also Alia's uh, experience of uh, online gender-based violence. Um, Alia, would you like to share?
2: Um, what happened to me was primarily on a video that occurred, I think a year back uh, for my anger my visible anger towards the now Prime Minister and I think at that point uh, I think my partner was asking me like are you sure about going out and speaking out you don't have anything ready and I was like I'm pretty sure I'm okay with it I know there will be some form of backlash but I did not anticipate that amount of backlash I had two police investigations against me one was in relation to the incident itself one was an indirect relation to an incident that was has nothing to do with me but because i was considered to be this person who had this who, who was this Loud, vocal uh, lady who is out there speaking out against the government. Anything that someone else is doing that looks like me would be deemed as me.
0: So for both of you, you express like your opinions, your views. Like for alia, she expressed about you know how she felt about the new prime minister that we suddenly had after the Sheraton move. Right. But for you, Jamalia, like uh, because I have spoken to, for example, like uh, other women in politics, right? And uh, there is that particular position where they, they think that, oh, these threats are normal just because you have a different ideology. Uh, you are not part of the status quo. You're not part of the, you know, the dominant political parties. So how do you feel about this? Because Alia is also taking like a, you know, she's making a political sort of stand, right, as a as a citizen of uh, Malaysia, but how do you feel about this, Jamalia? Is, is there a difference? Because you said that you actually felt like um, you didn't really need to uh, lodge a police report, right? Even though they were rape and death threats.
1: I think because by that time, last year, I was already, you know, few few years uh, inside the politics. So it kind of changes me without me realizing it. Although actually it is quite important for us to react on it. And then uh, just now you've mentioned that um, uh, is it based on gender or is it actually based on ideology? I think that we cannot just um, put it as black and white. It's not really just based on gender or based on ideology. i rather say that it's based on both. It depends on which, which incidence that's happening around us. So for example, um, we might face some online cyber bullying. It does not if it is female or male politicians as long as the ideology is different sometimes they will be attacking male politicians as well but for female politicians I think that um, we are more targeted in sense of sexist messages or improper messages so for example like, let's say that um, if they don't like the Say politicians like and who is a male politician? Then probably they will say that you know he is like stupid or um, he he looks like a clown or whatever. But you will rarely hear that they will judge based on what he is wearing, how his body shapes looks like. They will not say that you know Masabu is looks fat. Nobody says something like that. <laughs> But previously, I am not sure if you know how I look like previously, I am kind of chubby as well. A lot of times um, when I was going through my post, then I will see people commenting things like, you know, Alia is quite chubby, she's pregnant. Although that it does not even relate to the post. So I think that it's a mixture of both.
0: Yeah. earlier did you receive the same kind of uh, remarks? Like it's more about your appearance? Or was it more about what you said? I think when it
2: comes to, um, primarily if you're talking about people who are visible and they're talking out and speaking out against power, biggest differentiation is the feedback that they receive from the audience that they're putting out. Uh, If it was a male speaker speaking against power you would have people supporting him you would also would, people would uh denounce his statement but they would be more of like oh his analysis is wrong his statement is wrong it's uh he doesn't understand the concept of politics. You know, it's very critical and analytical. People come to the grits and gritty of what he is arguing about. It becomes very technical. Um, I think one of the points that you can see is like when people talk about Karim Rusland last year during general elections, people were arguing about his emotions. Like, oh, he was emotional. But I assume he was emotional because this is a very intense situation in our political climate. But if I would replace him with a woman... Speaking the same way he does, people would deem him to be emotional. So immediately, as a speaker, you have this—you uh, don't have this leverage as a gen- in your gender. One, you don't have level playing field putting it out on social media becomes even worse because this is why people become anonymous. They can then put out statements that they want. So you can definitely see that the feedbacks uh, and the outcomes from the audiences is very different. If you have a male speaker and a female speaker, they could be speaking about the same exact thing with the same exact uh, voice intonation. But um, because they're a female, they would immediately zoomed in into your body how you are and especially if you're living in this um muslim conservative environment the first thing they see is the the cloth wrapping around your head where is the cloth wrapping around your head why don't i see it this is like the most um evident kind of criticism you see online immediately people go to oh you can talk but you don't have a tudung so whatever you say is not valid so it becomes a problematic situation. Yes, I agree there is some point of ideology that comes into play but what big difference that we make is uh, the feedback that we receive as a woman and a
0: man. But what is the but what is the harm because you know a lot of people like see this online gender-based violence or online violence for that matter, right? Uh, whether it's faced by men as well, uh, especially, you know, uh, people who are non-conforming like, or gender non-conforming. Yes. They see it just as something that happens online. If you, you if you don't like it, just, you know, just get off social media, right? How do you feel about that? Like, uh, is, is there real harm?
2: I think there was this really great point that was pointed out. Um, there's a difference of choosing to stay offline and being forced to stay offline. And I think that is a big difference because at the end of the day, we have to see that being online in online spaces is the only viable space to voice out our expression, especially during this COVID time because where else can we express um, our grievances, our express our identity, especially for... Uh, non-conforming individuals and I'm when I'm saying that criticism is more on is criticism is less on men obviously this does not apply to non conforming men or queer queer community because they are experiencing the same form of gender violence that we women do and some to some extent they experience more harm
1: same with Alia I think that um, actually sometimes it might be worse because then it will affect you in a sense that um, there's no ending to it. There is no barriers. It can be assessed by everyone and there's, there's no timeline to it. If it's a physical action or crime, then probably once you catch the guy, then you will stop. But if it's um, something that's happening online, even if it catches uh, whoever have done it, Then um, the nude photos, for example, it will still exist.
0: Yeah, some people have uh, also spoken about how online gender-based violence is weaponized. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, because we do know that uh, there are hired cyber troopers uh, with political interests or vested interests. And um, but there's also the other, on the other side of the coin, there's also the, the algorithms of the, you know social media platforms, right? Because uh, there has been uh, news about how these algorithms actually push towards you the hate, push towards you the sexism and misogyny because violence sells, right? Mm -hmm. So on this point, is it inbuilt in our culture that we do this, you know, we say these kinds of things to women, uh, that they normalize it? Uh, Because there is that whole uh, idea as well that when you get someone you know to to always feel the the same sort of crisis they will eventually sort of comply so that they don't face the kind of violence that they have witnessed other women face or that they they stop experiencing that violence because they just don't want to right so you are sort of conditioned no Mm. uh it is that what's happening in, in on, online? Because uh, you talked about how important it was in terms of the digital space, in terms of women occupying that digital space. How do you feel about this, Jamalia?
1: And I feel that, you know, um when you're talking talking about weaponizing it uh, into a political tool, for example, um, it exists because any sort of, for me, any sort of discrimination or violence can be weaponized by anyone who knows how to actually uses it. Even includes in the political landscape, many of the people, especially those who are actually holding the power in the government, uses it to control the people and to separate the people, to lessen the people' power. And people might not see it because um, it... Some people just say that, you know, it's just a comment. It's just an, an online gender violence. It means nothing. But a comment, it can lead to more important or more serious matter. It can be started as a comment, and then they started threatening you, um, and then it developed to verbal tra- threatenings, and then it might end up into something else. So, actually, it's very important. But then our culture, as you've mentioned just now, you know, I, I feel that our culture, um, we don't really have much exposure exposure on this type of matters. Even if you look at Adi Ain cases, right? When she started, you know, expressing her view uh, through TikTok at the beginning mm, of the about time. About the rape
0: jokes, yeah. Yeah,
1: about the rape jokes. And actually, you will feel, you know, surprised and disbelieved that many of the men and actually some of the women also feel that, you know, she's just making a scene. I think I did Aini and everything. Uh, For us, we will look at it very differently. We will feel that, you know, how can you say that she's this is a real um, situation that we need to address? This is something serious. But that also project that, you know, there are Malaysians who actually think that it is nothing. It's just a joke and it reflects on our society. So right now, things like this happening in our society and we need to decide how are we going to take it? All right. Are we going to act on it? Some of the um, politicians or wakiraya probably, you know, they want to advocate for it. Some decided to stay in silent, and some decided totally just to ignore it.
0: But Wait. let me just get back to that, right? Because uh, when you said like uh, these people did not take iron seriously, uh, but there is an economic edge on that you know because uh, they're thinking about their credibility they're thinking Mm -hmm. about their profession their career right Uh, how they're going to be seen I mean uh, yes you you may be a government teacher and you know the threat of being sort of uh, terminated or fired is usually very very small right Uh, because they will they will try to you know transfer you somewhere else or somewhere where you supposedly cannot do any more harm. But, you know, um, because th- there has been discussions about disaster capitalism, how, how you use chaos and how you use shock, right, to shock women of Malaysia into compliance, you know, to condition them into compliance that, oh, you know, rape jokes, you know, you so you laugh nervously at at them at first. And then after that, you know, you realize like, you know, this is too much because this is actually happening. It's actually translating from word to to action, right? Uh, To threat first. And then, you know, eventually to action. Alia, what do you think about this? Like, is there an economic advantage in, in sort of... Perpetuating this kind of culture that forces women to conform or comply to the violence?
2: I would say definitely. And I think the shock doctrine would not only be applicable. I mean, when she uses the shock doctrine, I assumed and thought that it would be uh, a natural disaster that occurs, but it could be something that is man-made or manipulative situation. Like... You know, uh, so I feel like that situation not only applies to women, but also men in the situation because men are, men are made to police women and some women feel that they need to be policed. And uh, I wouldn't say brainwashed, but that feeling of, um, the feeling of uh, the it's easier
0: is, to control no? Because yeah, that's what Naomi Klein yeah. Is sort of saying It's easier to it's an, control After that,
2: that Yeah it's an amended situation Like everybody feels That it's okay To say this to a woman Especially And I was first attacked By a page called Kami Saya Muhyiddin And to be honest He was A Prime Minister For only a freaking day So how did he get That much vote So I'm thinking myself Like You really have to question Like how did Someone at that level at that time with like a power within 48 hours have that much power online, in online spaces. I'm thinking like in my head, it must have been obviously premeditated. Like, mm-hmm. you know who is controlling the money. They, they would know like, oh, we wouldn't, how we would adjust our fundings to fit this form of attacks Because they was there. To retain power, and that was the only focus. And I, I, and I'm figuring to myself that, like, when you talk about shock doctrine, that's that's it.
0: Yeah, it's a, to create a crisis, and then yeah, to normalize normalize the regulations, right? So that's yeah, what really we have normalize. right now under under darurat, no.
2: When you're speaking on Ayn's case, particularly, it it's it, it's on a whole different level because we have a separate feeling of with children. Most adults in Malaysia, I feel like they don't respect the child's privacy. We don't believe that a child has a right to voice out their grievances. So all this thing is like kind of like different for children itself. So when we can handle the situation, when we're handling the situation with a woman who's an adult in a public sphere, how can we handle it with the children in a public sphere? So that's the nuances that we need to kind of figure out. But definitely, in a sense there is an economical advantage because at the end of the day, you can always push down that issue and the same person who, um, who is, the person will still be at advantage at the end of the day because even you mean if the perpetrator is quiet, they will, yep. So it becomes very problematic in a sense like this is like a strategic uh, play to it. Like at the end of the day, these people are still in control because you want, to re, you want to make that status quo remain the same. So because if you shake it up, then it becomes a problem for the rest of the 1%, right? Or the rest of the 10%,
0: whoever is yeah. in control. But how do you actually tackle this issue? Because there's so many different sort of uh, aspects to it, right? You have the digital platforms that are adopting a business model Mm. That uh, thrives on hate, right? Thrives on the violence, thrives on the sexism and misogyny. Mm. And then you have people who face this violence like the two of you who may not know who the perpetrators are, may have multiple perpetrators. And, you know, it could be incidences of repeat violence, repeated violence, uh, three or four years or even maybe even eight years down the line, you know. Like you said, it's it's already out there, and it, it could just come back to you again, right? People could just use it again. Uh, but you know, it 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 has a economic uh, f- or financial value to to these perpetrators because some of them want to be influencers. <laughs> they, you know, mm-hmm. they they're they're trying to ride on that, right? Uh, and uh, others are also using that to to you know to to promote their their own political sort of um, advantage. So how, how then do I mean? How do you see the challenges in addressing these uh, sort of issues?
1: For me, the reason why I, the reason why I joined politics in the first place is because that I truly believe, even up until now, that the power to make changes will be lying under the government, especially federal government, and whoever we put. Them inside, meaning to say, which politician that we elected, or which political party that we elected in. Of course, um, there are many NGO that is advocating for it. There are many associations, or but at the end of the day, for me, the real challenges will be firstly, um, we don't have enough awareness. Malaysians are actually quite ignorant about. Uh, online gender violence or any sort of sexual harassment or cyberbullying, or whatsoever. So this is the first challenge and issue we need to face and it's actually quite crucial because if we did not address this, if people are still, or Malaysians, still being ignorant towards cyberbullying or online gender violence uh, um, and et cetera, then there will not be a drive to fix this situation. So we need to say that sometimes government policy react based on how we reacted, how the people reacted.
0: But yes. isn't misogyny and sexism something that people out of their own consciousness can actually address? You know, Alia, like, um, uh, you know, because they've seen it happening to their, maybe their sister or their female cousin, you know, surely that's some consciousness, right? <laughs> in, in, in the human being, you know, to, to want to bring about some change, no? Alia, what do you think about this?
2: I think, logically speaking, it should be, but we don't live in a logical world, if that's an answer, because to be honest, when you're looking at it um, on Facebook, you see comments that come from older generations that are questionable, especially when you're talking about women being visible. And you're thinking about, shouldn't they not say these things? Because at the end of the day, your picture and your name appears on this comment status. And people can just click and see your profile pictures and your family photos and link to your comment that you made. And make, expose you, but apparently it's not because I I assume that it's easier, it's easier to be misogynistic because you're living in a Asian culture that perpetuates, I mean, perpetuates patriarchal values, men mm. above every, everybody else, you know.
0: I mean, and that's reinforced through a lot yeah. of uh, different channels, right? Yeah, I mean, and
2: that's reinforced through a lot of authorities, channels. authorities, leaders, right. political right. leaders. Correct. Because at the end of the day, we tell our men in our life that whatever you do, you wouldn't get reprimand. So, of course, in digit digital sphere, who else is going to reprimand you because... I mean, it's just that if you've already done harm in a bigger, larger scale uh, like cat-calling calling people strangers on the road and you wouldn't get reprimand well, why don't you just do it on social media? You're definitely not going to get anything. I mean, in a sense that there should be some logical explanation to that but I mean, aside from culture and aside from us not pushing back against them but nowadays I feel like there are more younger generations that are uh, braver to me, when they can just call out like, "Hey, pakcik comment pakcik ni tak senonoh," ah. and then they just <laughs> that uncle's photo and then his profile photo, basically like doxing him, and say like, "You pull down your sexist comment and we delete this post." So for me,
0: that is, is so there is some hope. There There's is some, some hope.
2: hope. Yeah, I put hope in my younger generation because
0: they're brave. Do you know your perpetrators?
1: For me, definitely, I wouldn't know because usually whoever attacked, attacked me will be on my Facebook page. And because when you go in <laughs> and then you don't even know who they are, then you see some photo of, you know, uh, cans, tea, flour, and there's no real identity to it. So mm. I guess it, make it makes it easier to attack you anyway. Like what Ali bin said that, Um, they don't really feel that there's a need um, to pay any responsibility, especially for those who is under the payroll. um, You get what I mean? So so they don't really need to pay any responsibility and they know they are kind of protected. And then you've got normal netizens that probably they are not paid, but because of um, the influence by all these so-called fake accounts, then not all of them Because I am a politician So or so sometimes I will go And sort, you know, the people account Whoever attacked me And see who they are So a lot of them actually Is not a real account anyway But I don't think all the netizens Will do the same thing So probably some of them Will think that it is from a real account
2: mm. So we
1: sort of like normalize it when When it became normal or when you normalize it so people will feel that it's okay to use certain improper words to describe female or male and we we need to speak out and you know to inform others that it is not acceptable i just want to add a little bit when i'm hearing the conversation you know between angela and um alia i'm like thinking that (laughs) does young people really have awareness? I think they do. But the issue will be that, does it affect them that much that they want to speak out? Mm. Yeah. A lot of people actually, they know that it is wrong, but they choose not to bother because they think that it's non-related with them. So even if they read the comment or session and they find it is being sexist, some, actually a lot of them, or they will just leave it as it is because it's just not related with them. Mm. Um, I do believe that there are a lot of young people, like what Alia said, they have been fighting back, which is a very good um, phenomenon. But I wish that we've got more because actually uh, we also have seen a lot of people that don't care. And then also uh, there are some that probably don't really have access to the internet or they are not um, with the same background as us but it takes,
0: yeah, it takes a lot of time, right, to do mm-hmm. this kind of, this. I mean, even to do these kinds of attacks takes a lot of time and energy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, so somebody has to be paid, Unless you're right?
1: Unless
0: you paid. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you think that the attacks against you, Alia, you know, in terms of speaking out in anger at, you know, how your vote, you were cheated out of your Vote mm-hmm. because it's not just your vote, it was thousands of others, other Malaysians who also voted. Right? That vote just got ignored. So, do you think those uh, attacks were organized in any way?
2: Let's just put it out there that the whole video was around like a few minutes, it was longer than it was supposed to be. It was definitely organized because the speech is cut short mm. uh, in a lot of it, it was cut short, like the points are cut so short. It. Yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, directed at certain areas, certain angle, and it was not even a full video, but people are um, put, pushing it out there because, oh, look at this girl. And so then, basically,
0: recontextualize as well. Yeah,
2: obviously, uh, my, yeah. my messages are, were reconstruct,
0: reconstructed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I had a um, word vomit in my head and I couldn't just. So, apart from that, then there is this uh, this. Like they use my words against me When they say like This gu- This girl is, is against the government This girl was against what YDPA has stayed. Like mm-hmm. YDPA has allowed for him to be a prime minister She has go- gone against the word of the our royalty mm-hmm. so myself, mm-hmm. The first insinuation that I was a traitor lah, Or I've committed somewhat of a treason Because I've gone against the word of the YDPA And none of my texts had ever said that it was more focused on like we voted and then suddenly it didn't matter anymore whether you voted or not it didn't matter at the end of the day so um a lot of people I mean a lot of people came out to me and said like you were too angry you shouldn't be so emotional and I'm like how are you not people not angry and emotional you waited four years to vote and suddenly what you wanted was never there and becomes uh, dismissive. Uh, It becomes irrelevant anymore.
0: But this also points to, you know, the cost of uh, online gender-based violence, right? It means that women cannot... Right, uh, yeah participate in the discourse around, you know, the political leadership in the country. They cannot talk about the economy. How's the economy right. doing? Correct. They cannot talk about the, you know, what are the, the measures about, uh, you know, in terms of uh, addressing COVID-19 pandemic. Right, correct. So, because uh, if we remember, like, even Sheila Majid, right? I mean, this was before the uh, Pakatan Harapan government, you know, when she just made a comment about the how the economy was suffering, Right you know, and everybody's just sort of uh lambasted her as if like she had right. to be like an economic right. spe- specialist you know <laughs> so 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 women's views like um we're being conditioned to sort of see women's views and opinions as you know right. it's it's like
2: uh, for a woman an important real credential for you to be able to speak about topics. If you want to talk about politics, make sure you have a master and a PhD in politics. Make sure you were in governance for like eight years, probably. If you want to talk about law, make sure that you have eight years of experience. Um, Lincoln's bar and so on. So the the equation of women needing to speak and participate in public sphere is when they only have real credential is very problematic every time a woman speak about their experiences being a woman, immediately people shut you down and that is what's happening with our real culture. Like, oh, this is not happening. We have Mm. our Ministry of Higher Education saying in front of her face, like, this is not happening. Whatever she is saying is not true. And this Mm. is exactly the same experience with the girl who was in Sarawak who couldn't access internet. Immediately when she spoke out about it, people were like, oh, this is not happening. She didn't have a test. So, For a woman to be able to speak, they need to have real credentials. They need to have real experiences. Like they need to put it out on video form to show the world that they are experiencing this harm for the world to ah maybe she is experiencing it. Yeah, maybe she was. But sometimes that is not even enough. Correct. You are slightly emotional, just a
1: little bit emotional.
2: Then correct, exactly. So uh, I mean. For me, it's like, are are we, especially when it comes to women and queer people, are we not supposed to have any other emotional than being stoic and professional? Because we have been stoic and professional for like decades and we don't see any change. And if I want to be an angry feminist speaking out against things and telling them as facts, so be it if it pushes the issue and agenda.
0: The right to be angry you know right. i mean even because um, i think it is also linked to this whole understanding of who is a citizen what are your citizenship rights right and mm. and uh we seem to be receiving the message that we have no right to be angry right <laughs> Chamale, what do you think about this i mean having been in politics for you know for a few years
1: yeah i i totally feel the same i think i've changed a lot not something that i am um, really happy or unhappy about. It's just that, you know, when you've became um, politician or, you know, young representatives especially, then people started to judge you based on things that they actually shouldn't be judging you based on that. So, for example, um I try not to be emotional, although sometimes I feel that if it's a male representative, it is okay to be right. like that. I always go out and, you know, tell my, you know, residents, you know, whenever I was chit-chatting with them, I say that, you see, if this kind of issue happened to a male politician, like let's say, for example, you go and visit um, poor family. And then uh, let's say the Wakira had a tear on the eyes or something, then they will feel that wow. Um sympathetic. <laughs> yeah. Then if it happens to me, then people will say that you see that is the problem with women politician. <laughs> <laughs> they cry too easily. Mm-hmm. We don't feel that they they will have the leadership because they're too soft. Especially me, you know, I am actually quite soft spoken. <laughs> yeah so if you are too loud then they say that you know you are you've got problem with your attitude you cannot control yourself Mm -hmm. you're emotional Um, but if you're soft-spoken like me then people say that I don't think jamalia has got enough leadership she cannot speak loud you know she, she she cannot talk like us nowadays it's not so because um you can build up your reputation, to be honest. Like, you know, when uh, when uh, your residents or people around you that get used to you, they know your capability, then they know that actually you've got good ideas or creative ideas. But if let's say you go to someplace new, all right, people don't really know you. And then when once you started to voice out your opinions or your comments or feedback, it might not sound as well as other male politicians when they are voicing it out.
0: And it's exactly the same point, right? That you're mm-hmm. making. Yeah. Yes. But um, Alia, did you try to make a police report? Like Chamalia, you know, eventually made a police report, but did you try to make a police report about all, th- all that has happened to you?
2: Uh, only on the second occasion that I was investigated on the mural. So just a little like... Um, hypnosis of what happened was that um, my first investigation was on the speech itself which was on that Black Friday and then the second investigation was done um, because of a mural that came out I think one of the murals they had a CCTV of a girl wearing white and because they saw me wearing white on the first video they thought hey maybe it's the first girl with the same wearing white maybe she was wearing the same white shirt let's call her in and you know what? I sat down in the police investigator. Awak tak lah. Bukan awak lah dalam video ni. And I'm like, you obviously saw my first video. Why bother then? <laughs> so I'm going back to that. I think...
0: Did they apologize?
2: I did make a police report. They didn't apologize. The investigation was dropped. That was about it. I didn't make a police report. But nothing happened. Even when I made a police report, they were like, oh, yang buat video Oh, okay. Tulislah dalam report, nanti sign. Nak buat apa ni? Tak, tak. Like, hmm. obviously, there is not going to be anything. I didn't even hope there was going to be anything.
0: Jamalia, like, for your case, when you, you lodge a police report, um did they follow up like did you hear like what were the developments or what maybe the challenges that they faced in terms of uh, bringing the perpetrators to justice
1: i think it's actually quite fast after a few days then they found the guy um probably because it is a high profile case because mm. it went viral so people are looking at it but i doubt that you know if it happens to the normal citizen or normal Malaysians, they will act as fast as that. Lah. Yeah, because um, at first, I think that they, they did tell me that, you, you know, uh, well, it depends, the investigation, the timeline, they cannot uh, confirm with me how long will it take. But after it went viral, I think it's just within a few days that they found who, who's the uh, perpetrator's. Um, actually, that person I'm not sure whether I want to Say who he is But he, it's not his first offense lah. Like I've mentioned He actually done it To the MCA youth chairperson Several months before it
0: Mm-mm. All right,
1: But he is not in his best condition I think there's something um, He's got a certain mental illness so mm. even with that, I, I did not follow up because uh, when I found out about his situation, I sort of understand why he behaved like that. But at the same time, I also wondering um, with cases or issues like this, how how is the government going to handle it? You know, even if I say the person is not in their right mind or they are facing mental health issue.
0: Aliyah uh, What what would you Have wanted Like If If you uh If you could have lodged a police report
2: I uh, would want All the Comments Or the pages That were attacking me That were publishing My videos Or doxing my photos Pulled down Like I made a plea, I made a report To uh, MCMC But nothing Came about I made a report To Facebook But nothing came about because it didn't, it wasn't going against any community guidelines, whatever that means. I mean, they did a certain amount of... Um, and so that's also a problem with Facebook and other internet regulators, because um, obviously the people who are looking into the reports are don't really understand what's going on contextually in Malaysia right they don't understand the comments that are being held whether it's it is harmful to the person or the user so they can't provide the safe space uh safe space in digital sphere that they would always they would always perpetuate that they could but they could not because every time because every time I make a, a report on those posts or Facebook pages, it never gets taken down because uh. these community guidelines that they have and they need certain number of reports. And how much do you want me to report on a daily basis for you to take down a page? Obviously, that's my face. And they're doxing my photos. Why is it not being taken down? So I think that's one of the main things that I would want wanted for... My face not to be visibly and be used against me, I
0: guess. But how do we translate, uh, like, how do we talk to policymakers about costs suffered at the personal level, right? Because, Jamala, mm-hmm. you also face, you suffered some, you know, personal costs as well. I mean, eventually you sort of realized that these threats were serious. Um, it, it does affect you. I mean, the fact that you normalized it, it also, you know, means that it affected you. Um, Alia um, on a separate occasion you did say like you were both careful about going out Yeah, you know uh, because pe- you were recognizable so how how do we tell policymakers look these costs at the personal level actually cost a real cost at the national level because we talked about women's public participation the fact that Women are not able to say what's wrong with the policy. What's wrong? What's wrong in their schools? What's wrong? You know, what's wrong in public spaces where they want to speak out against um, uh, abuse of power, but it's political power or not? You know, or police power. They they are not able to. So how do we? How do we tell policymakers you need to do something about this? <laughs> <Jamalia>.
1: <laughs> I'm smiling because I feel that they know. I mean, I know. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think that. I, I, I don't think the issue is that they don't know about this or they don't think that it is important or vital. Yeah, I, I think that, especially right now, it's really very difficult for me to say. I try. I'm trying my best to be neutral. But I feel that it depends on who, at the end of the day, who is holding the government.
2: Correct. Mm. I,
1: I really have to say that. I mean that you can compare the Wanita previously compared with now. I cannot say that, you know, we achieved a lot of things. Uh, certainly, we haven't even passed the harassment, sexual harassment bill yet. We are on the way. We're supposed to pass it this year, Unfortunately. There's this Ashton move. but So I cannot compare, you know, the report card. But at least what I can say is that comparing with 22 months of Pakatan Harapan, at least I can guarantee that we are being very responsive compared mm, that, to
0: now. There were certainly yeah. discussions about the tougher issues, right? Like the yeah. uncomfortable issues like child yes. marriage, sexual yes. harassment, gender equality.
1: Yeah. So for me, I think that it's not that the policymaker, they don't know about this, but I feel that it's you know, how much they want to advocate for it.
0: Mm. On that note, I'd really like to thank uh, Alia Affendi at Jamalaya Jamaluddin for joining us today and sharing with us their experiences and thoughts on the issue of online gender-based violence, uh, the various forms that they've suffered, the the kinds of uh, perpetrators that they've come across, the experience of reporting it and so on. I think uh, some of the key issues that they have talked about, especially on how uh, we have an economy that is thriving on this uh, particular form of violence, uh, paid cyber troopers, political agendas. I think these are some critical issues that they've raised. So thank you again, Jamalia and Alia.
2: Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you.
0: So, we just heard from Jamalia Jamaluddin, State Assembly Person for Banda Utama, and also the Slang of Vice Chief for DAP Youth Socialist, and Alia Affendi, who is an activist and a feminist and an in house legal practitioner. If you enjoyed listening to gossip, do follow us and stay tuned for our next episode. We'll be talking about bodily autonomy, why is this such a contentious topic, and why is it important for women and girls to have full decision-making over their own bodies. You can find Chris Network on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Remember, gossip is where alternative perspectives make sense.